Good morning. It's just an honor to be here with you as usual. I'm a fan of Claire Booth Luce Policy Institute. Thank you for inviting me again. Uh, I'm going to talk to you today about uh, my last book, uh, and it's about the culture clash between Islam and biblical values, Islamic values and biblical values. Why is there a culture clash? Islam claims to be an Abrahamic religion. So why is it in a culture clash with biblical values? And uh, not a lot of people ask, talk, I mean, we have made speaking about Islam such a taboo that people are scared to ask questions. And unfortunately, in America, no religion or ideology is beyond questioning. And we have to stand up to our right to ask such important questions because we are being told that they're all the same values, it's all the same religion, it's the same God, and if we're just nice to them, they will love us and they will want to assimilate. And it's all about us, the problem is us. I came from the Middle East, and the problem is not you. And this is, this is why. Cultures do not go into clash with each other unless there is foundational principles on how you view the world. And the way Islam views the world, the way Islam views human rights, the way Islam views society and your relationship with the government, with God, with each other, is completely different from the West. In fact, some, um, you know, some cultures that are very far from one another can get along. And you'll find two cultures that are bordering one another, and sometimes they are in constant fights with each other. So this idea that there's a culture clash between Europe and the Middle East, or America and the West and the Middle East, it's, it's just a distance thing that will eventually reconcile. It's really not true. There's foundational differences between the two cultures. And that's why I, I wrote my book, Wholly Different, Totally Different Values. Why I chose biblical values over Islamic values. The original culture clash between the West and the Middle East, Islam, did not start between Western Europe and the Middle East. The original culture clash between biblical values and Islamic values started inside the Middle East. In the seventh century, 600 years after Christ, Islam was created in the Arabian Peninsula as a movement against biblical values. Nobody knows that the culture clash between biblical values and the values that, that were dear to Arabia were in clash. And that's why 
Islam was developed as a counter-revolution to the biblical revolution. The Bible came to actually as a, an ethics revolution to the whole world. There was no ideology in the world that said, love your enemy. That was not even human nature to love your enemy. It was a, a rebellion against you know, hum, the evil side of human nature. The Bible brought us values that will make us live in peace and that will give individuals human rights separate from government, given to you by God. That was a revolution. It was an ethics revolution to the world. And that ethics revolution changed the Middle East. Most of the Middle East, after Christ, converted to Christianity. A lot of people don't know that Egypt was a Christian nation before Europe. For 600 years, Egypt was a Christian nation. The Byzantine Empire, which is the biblical Christian empire, before Europe became, you know, the, the, the you know, holding the, the Bible as its foundation, it was the Byzantine Empire headed in Turkey. So a lot of people don't know that the Middle East was already 90% Christians and Jewish. Arabia, where Islam came from, was the last area of the Middle East that, that did not absorb the Bible yet. But it started feeling the pressure. Arabia was at a crossroads. Are they going to become Christian and belong to the, another municipality, to the Byzantine Empire? Or are they going to rebel against it? Under Muhammad's leadership, Arabia started the most ferocious rebellion in history against biblical values. And that was in the form of Islam. Muhammad called Jews and Christians the enemies of Allah. Wherever you read the Quran, Jews and Christians are called apes, pigs, and enemies of Allah. They are not to be befriended by Islam. It's written in the Quran. You cannot befriend them or make uh, deals with them. So why did this happen? It happened because Arabia did not want to become a municipality, another municipality of the Byzantine Empire. So this, cult, this culture, in this culture clash in the Middle East between biblical values and Islamic values, Muhammad won. Islam won, pushing Christianity away from the Middle East, and it ran away to Europe. Christianity and Judaism, which, which were born in the Middle East, escaped to Europe from the Middle East. Islam became dominant. Nations that birthed 
Christianity and Judaism became Islamic. Egypt, which used to be 100% Christian, became an Islamic nation, with the sword, by the way. Islam, when it went in, it did not want to coexist. It wanted to convert the churches into, um, into mosques. It didn't want to build a mosque next to the church. Like in Europe now, in the West, you have uh, a church and a mosque and a synagogue and whatever religion you want to have. No, Islam wanted to replace. And it did replace. It didn't only replace churches with mosques. And if you go to Turkey today, you'll see the replaced church, uh, churches into mosques still having the church symbols, but it converted to mosque. So the, the crowning of Islam to force itself on the Middle East values as becoming Islamic was to go on top of the Jewish temple, the Solomon Temple of the Jews, and built a mosque. That crowned it. In Islamic uh, language, that was eliminating any history <coughs> of the Jewish people. Christianity and Judaism survived in Europe. <coughs> <coughs> but biblical values eventually challenge any government. Why? Because governments, by nature, want to be authoritarian. If you allow government unchecked, it wants to be authoritarian. It wants to dominate people. Governments, this is the nature of government. So what happened is that biblical values are, are challenging. And every generation of young people have to be reminded. Thank you. Thank you so much. Every generation have to be educated to appreciate the fact that our values, Western values, Western biblical values tell us that our rights come from God and not from government. Under Islam, our rights come from the caliphate, the Islamic caliphate, the Islamic leadership. They can kill you if you leave Islam. So this is number one, the conflict between your human rights, your, the individual right under Islam is totally different from under the West. And it's not because the West is because of biblical values. And if you notice, liberals are very angered by our uh, you know, a statement like, your rights come from God, not from government. You see them, uh, we don't like that. Because this is the key, this is, this is the, the nucleus of human right in the West, which is our rights come from God, not from government. So Islam came as a rebellion against biblical values. And 
if you, if you check the values of Islam and the Bible, you will see what I'm talking about. It's totally different. Muhammad rejected Christianity the same way the far left and the secularists are rejecting biblical values in the West today. In the West today, we are seeing another culture clash within the West against biblical values. In the same way, in the same dynamic that happened 1400 years ago by Muhammad inside the Middle East against biblical values. So, the problem for the West today is a lot more than ISIS. When we watch the news, Islam has nothing to do with terrorism, that's what we're told. And if only ISIS and the terrorism is destroyed, Islam will, will, will not be a threat. We're gonna see another side of Islam, the peaceful side of Islam will emerge that is ready to coexist with the West in harmony. Is that, that is false. That premise that the media is teaching us every day is false because the core of Islam is a rebellion against biblical values. Uh, in America, no ideology or religion is above criticism, and we have to. We have to question. We, you know, and I'm not here to criticize Islam because really, this is my family is all Muslim, and they are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. So I'm not talking about people. Some of the nicest people I know in Egypt are really Muslims. So it's about the ideology, what it teaches, what's written in their books, what is the criteria of good and bad under Islam? What is the criteria of good and bad under biblical values? That's what we're comparing. We're not comparing people because that's what they try to make us appear like. We're talking about people. We're not talking about people, we're talking about the ideology, what it, what it teaches as right and wrong, or good and bad. For instance, I'll give you some examples of diff major foundational differences between biblical values and Islamic values. <clears throat> In the Bible, we're all sinners. This is when I became Christian, when I went to a church and I heard the word, we're all sinners, I was like, wow, we're all sinners? How civilized. <laughs> Un under Islam, they are all sinners. We are Muslim. And we are put on this earth to fix them. They never talk about we're all sinners in mosques. I've never heard that concept under Islam. It's a revolutionary concept to talk about we're all sinners, we're all equally sinful, we're all human. That is a revolutionary difference that Muslims have no clue 
and never teach. Life is sacred under the Bible, biblical values. Under Islam, death is worship. To die for Allah's sake while killing Allah's enemies is a value in Islam. Is the ultimate gift to Allah. Under Islam, the God of Islam has human enemies. Does Jesus have human enemies? No. Does the God of the Torah have human enemies? No. You're not taught that God has human enemies. In Islam, the Quran is all about human enemies. And they're called enemies of Allah. Kill them wherever you find them. That's, these are commandments in the Quran. How can a religion that calls itself an Abrahamic religion command its followers to kill the children of Abraham, the Jews? And it calls itself an Abrahamic religion. In fact, it's not an Abrahamic religion, it's a counter movement against the Abrahamic religion. That is, so, in the Bible, pleasing God is, a, is a, a very important value. In Islam, pleasing human beings is important. You have to keep people, uh, you do everything to, to, to stop them from criticizing you. I remember when I was living in, um, in the Middle East, you know, people's opinion are very important under Islam. You do everything to please people because there are laws in Sharia that, that tell humans to actually kill apostates. There are laws that forgive murder under Islam. In Sharia, and there is a little pamphlet outside done by Claire Booth Luce about Islamic law, Sharia. One of the laws of Sharia says the following, and that's not my opinion, that's what's written in their books. If they don't like it, take it out. Don't leave it in your books and then say Islam is a religion of peace. If you want Islam to be a religion of peace, please take out the following law from your Sharia books. And this is what the law says. A Muslim will not be prosecuted by the government, will not be arrested or prosecuted if they kill an apostate. So because I'm an apostate, because I left Islam, it's illegal for me to live. And any human being who kills me will not be prosecuted by the Islamic government if the government does not kill me. So Saudi Arabia and Iran, if you say I'm no longer a Muslim, they will arrest you, put you in jail, and execute you. In more moderate Muslim countries, they don't do it in such a savage way. They do it more cleverly. People who kill you, are not, they, the police will say, we don't know who killed them, maybe it's a robbery. And that's called honor killing, which governments just let the people go. 
you find these young girls who were killed in the Middle East, or young men even, because they are not following Islamic law properly, they are killed by their parents, by anybody. And the police will say, we don't know who killed them. Even if it's known that the father killed them, they just, they, it, there is another law in Sharia, and again, I will mention the law, and if they don't like it, remove it from your books. Denounce it, and that's the law. Parents and grandparents will not be prosecuted for killing their offspring. This is a law in Sharia, which allows honor killing. So these laws tell us a lot about who Muslims care to please. Do you want to please God, or you want to please other human beings? So if you live in the Muslim world, you, have, you, better, you better please and follow the rules to please other human beings. Other, otherwise, you could be killed. Judging the sin, not the sinner, is a biblical value. In Islam, you have to judge the sinner, not the sin, because the concept of sin under Islam is totally different from the Bible. Kill, murder, murder is supposed to be a, a sin, but in Islam there is, you know, it's, uh, it depends. If you kill Jews, that's a different story. If you kill somebody because they dishonored the family, that's a different story. So murder is excused. Stealing the property of Jews and Christians and people that you, you, you catch in war is allowed. The Ten Commandments have been violated by Islam completely if it's for the benefit of Islam. I have a list in my book, a whole list that is maybe uh, almost 65 now of different differences that are major differences. Jesus came to save us. In Islam, we have to save Allah and Muhammad, his reputation. If anybody talks bad about Muhammad, it's my duty under Allah to kill them. Because I have to defend my God, I have to save him. In Islam, Jesus came to save us. We don't have to do anything to Jesus. We, uh, you know, confession of sin in Islam, concealment of sin, you conceal your sin. Uh, at war with the devil, in Islam we're at, at war with flesh and blood. Islam is actually at war with people that they call the enemies of Allah. And so on and so forth. Uh, children of God, we're considered the children of God under the Bible. In Islam, we're, we're slaves of Allah. And that's why the most popular name in Islam is called, uh, is, is called Abdullah, it means slave of Allah. So we consider ourselves slaves of Allah, not children of Allah. Changing yourself is a biblical value. Self-control is a biblical value. In Islam, changing others is a value. Controlling others is a value. I'm going to end here and take some questions, but I have a long list at the end of my book that are 
really self-control controlling other government of peace versus uh, 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 it's a government is uh, is viewed differently under Islam Every, everything is just the, the, the opposite the kingdom of God is not ours in Islam Allah and the state are one the Islamic state is supposed to be Allah you have to, 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 to treat it like a god. You have to bow to your leader. Do you remember uh, Saddam Hussein, how his, his people used to kiss his hand when he walks? That's how they view God, the leaders, as, as, as God. They don't differentiate between God and leaders because the Islamic State take, takes the role of Allah. In, in, in our society, God is God, and the, the leader is supposed to, to, to be accountable to people. He serves the people. In Islam, we serve the leader. We serve the state. In, in the Bible, biblical uh, influence, you know, like the West, the, the state, the government serves the people. Under Islam, people serve the government. Thank you very much, and I'll take your questions. <clears throat> yes. Can you please, I can. Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, my questions are founded on the differentiation, differentiation between um, Islam, the religion, and Islam as a government-like practice. Um, when you speak about Sharia and Sharia's laws, a lot of um, things you mentioned in the Quran are like, like for example, the whole we are all sinners concept. That's in Surah 16, line 61. That's mentioned. Um, condemning all. I'm that, sorry. I'm sorry. But, just, uh, I, but like my. my you're saying is, that there is where all sinners is in the Quran. It is in the Quran. I'll read it to you. Yeah, please. And give me the, the verse because. It's um, Surah 16, and it's line 61. Surah 16. Yes. Line 61. And I'll pull it up too. Read but, to um, me. You speak Arabic? I, I can read Arabic. I don't understand okay. Arabic. I can read the translation. <laughs> okay. um, I'll pull it up. It's sure. Surah An Nahl, I guess. Um, okay. And if Allah were to impose blame on the people for their wrongdoing, He would not have left upon earth any creature, but He defers them for a specified term. And when their term has come, they will not remind, re remain behind an hour, nor will they proceed. It says that we are all, like, essentially after birth. He essentially believes, or in the Quran, it's like the tabla rasa philosophy, where we're all born as, like, with a blank slate. And mm -hmm. because of who we are innately, we will all sin. And then it goes uh, on to say that God yeah. is merciful. I have never, I lived in the Middle East and I speak Arabic. Uh, I have never heard a Friday sermon in, in any mosque. 
that says we're all sinners, Jews, Christians, Muslims, we equate ourselves, we're all sinners. I've never, I've never heard, heard that as, that's number one. I have never heard a sermon in a mosque against uh, honor killing. I have never heard a sermon in a mosque in open against female genital mutilation. And that, that operation happened to my mother. And this is in the Middle East, which is in, ruled by Islamic governments. Government no, is the problem. No, 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 no. Government is scared. Middle East governments are scared of Sharia because if they don't, if the ruler doesn't rule by Sharia, they kill them. That's why Sadat was killed. Okay. Sadat was killed because he made peace with the enemies of Allah. Who are the enemies of Allah? Jews and Christians. Sadat went and made peace with the Jews. And he meant it. And that's why he was assassinated. So Muslim leaders know that if they deviate from Sharia, their blood becomes kosher, halal. Okay? They're a Muslim leader who does not follow Sharia, he is, any Muslim on the street is obliged to kill him. And his, their blood is halal. When Sadat was killed by uh, that Egyptian guy, there is a statue in Iran today under the name of the guy who killed Sadat. Why? Because Sadat was considered a deviant from Sharia. He became an apostate. Okay. Um, we're going to move on to the next question. One question per person. Uh, you know what? I would love to, to sit down with you later and ask me all your questions. I love your questions. I love, I love them. They're very challenging. Thank you. Hi, thank you so much for your talk. Okay. Hi, my name is Isabella, and I'm, from, yeah, my, I'm from UC Berkeley. I just wanted to um, ask about the differences between, because you know, a lot of people say, oh, Islam is a religion of peace, and what I have heard as the explanation for the obvious differences between, for, for the very contrasting views of like whether or not Islam is violent is that the first part of the Quran was written um, when Muhammad in Muhammad's earlier days, and then Muhammad got like yeah, his, his the first became... thirteen years of his life. Mm -hmm. People claim that yeah. it was peaceful, and the te last ten years of his life, it was very violent, and it was all about war. However, we don't see the context. Why was he uh, not in uh, that much war in the first? 13 years of his life. And the reason is, it's very obvious, I don't know why people don't notice it. He was living with his own tribe. He could not wage a war. According, according to Arabian Peninsula values, you don't go into war against your own people, against your own uh, tribe. So he was living in Mecca with his own tribe. He wasn't gonna, actually he did insult them and call them uh, kafir. And uh, he, he mistreated them a lot, but he didn't wage war against them. And that's why they call, oh, that's the first half, peaceful half of Islam. The minute he left his tribe, moved to Medina, where the Jews welcomed him with open arms to live among them in peace, then he started going to war against the people of Mecca, his own tribe, which really is a violation of Arabian Peninsula culture which is go, go and kill your own people. And he started killing his own people. 
but from Medina, not from within the tribe. So if you really study the dynamics of why he did not wage war early on, it was because he was living among his own tribe. You, you cannot wage war against your own tribe, the Kafir, from inside. You have to do it from outside, and that's why he went to Medina. Hi. I'm Abby Strew. I go to UW-Madison. I was wondering, so I, I presume you're not the only woman in the middle who grew up in the Middle East who feels this way about Islam. Uh, when you tried talking to other people about this, I mean, did you do that? And what were responses from other women like who grew up in the same situation? Actually, I uh, was born and raised for, until age 30 and in Islam. I, I lived under Sharia law, and some people say that, oh, Egypt didn't, didn't enforce it as much as Saudi Arabia and Iran, but like I said, there are some go governments that leave it up to the people to do the dirty work. So even though that the government didn't arrest you, but uh, anybody on the street can kill you, and I've, I've witnessed honor killing, I've witnessed female genital mutilation. I, I knew a woman, a girl, actually she was 16, and she was killed because uh, she was raped. She was actually raped and uh, got pregnant, and that was a dishonor on her family, and they killed her. They didn't kill the guy who raped her. So uh, I, I lived under this culture, and because I knew it, I know it so well, and frankly, if I had continued living in the Middle East, I probably would never have spoken. I was, I was too scared to speak. I only came, started speaking after years and years of living in America and, and getting to know people uh, like, that, like people of Claire Booth Luce who, who taught me really what a woman should be. When I, when I came to America, I came with a lot of baggage, a lot of fear of speaking out. And, uh, and after meeting American women, and after learning from my, just from my neighbors, not I didn't go to big groups like, like here to get, to get an education. It just came very gradually, and then I started really looking back at my life and uh, my culture. And then I only started speaking after 9-11, and it was because many Americans started saying, Why, what did we do? And I just wanted to scream at the, at the TV and say, you didn't do anything. It's because under Islam, you are an infidel. That's all. You didn't do anything. So I really, it, it took me a long time, it, it, a lifetime, let's put it this way, to really change and be who I am. But I used to be a, a really timid girl scared, wanted to please, I wanted to appease, I wanted to have Islam love me, I wanted, I wanted to be approved of, and it never worked. And then with the help of American values and biblical values, I gradually developed the courage to be who I am today, and I'm very grateful for America, because without America, I wouldn't be who I am today. Okay, we're going to have one more question and then we're going to wrap it. Hi, my name is Alyssa. I go to the King's College in New York. Um, in 
since the West is becoming increasingly more pluralistic, um, do you think it's possible that we can have a common good without a common God? And what advice would you have for us to sort of jumpstart this conversation on campus, in the workplace, and just in everyday life? Excellent question. Uh, in the West, we are now uh, just mesmerized with the idea of multiculturalism. I believe multiculturalism is unnatural. Because wherever you go, eventually you merge into a society and uh, you become hom homogenous. And when I came to America, a lot of people told me, um, just stay the way you are. We love you just the way you are. And this is, this is putting me in a box. You're telling me don't grow out of your culture. And that is not fair. When, when, you, when, when people from all over the world come to America, the left want them to stay the way they are, stay dressed the way you are, eat the same food, speak your own language, don't grow. We love you just the way you are, and we want to just stand next to you, take a picture of we are multicultural. <laughs> it does, it's, it's a very unusual state. Because by nature, I evolved. I've lived in America now for 38 years. Do you think I'm the same person who, who was here 38 years ago? Of course not. But the left want me to stay like that. The same clothes, the same attitude, the same language, and never, and never assimilate. Because assimilation to them is regarded as I'm com they're committing a crime against me if I assimilate. And, and you know what? Not to assimilate, if you expect a person who come to America not to assimilate, you, you are really putting them in a box. Because assimilation is part of human nature. It takes more effort and energy to stay who you are and never assimilate. So it takes more energy to not assimilate. So eventually, we have to be a homogeneous society because that's human nature. We become one culture. That's how God created us. That's not what I want. It's how God, God created us to live next to each other. And from interaction, we all agree on a value system. By that, it means one culture. We become one culture. And that's part of human nature. So to have little people coming from different cultures, uh, living with, with all their, their ethnic uh, identity forever is unnatural. You're putting me in a box. I don't want to live in a box of my own culture. If I wanted to do that, I'll stay there. Right? 